number. Did we have a good time at our first uh, health and wellness symposium? Wow. Awesome information. Sister Ellen Magnight is here with us today. Girl, you did an outstanding job pulling that together. You, along with our health and wellness team, I tell you, I hate I had to leave, but it was awesome information. I want to, I want to encourage brothers next time, too. Let me say it again. Brothers. Oh, brothers. You know, we got to start looking out for ourselves before we go to the hospital with a heart attack. Hello. Now, now I'm, I'm saying that and I'm talking to myself when I say that. Y'all understand that, right? Because sometimes men don't, don't, don't focus in on those issues until, it's, until something about to fall off or something. Or, you know, <laughs> we, can't, we can't move. I'm sorry, you know, whatever. So let's be proactive. I mean, great information, great tools. And the key, key now is Katie and I were talking about is follow-up. We got to follow-up. Amen. Make sure we follow up. But awesome, awesome time, awesome experience. So thank you all, Health and Wellness Ministry and Sister McKnight for, for pulling that together for us. Awesome, awesome, awesome information and presented in such a godly, God-honoring way. So I thank God for that. So Psalms 46 number, are you all there? Uh, we're going to read verse number 10. And again, we went through this psalm and a couple of weeks back. We left off and we said that as we look at this psalm, many, many Bible scholars believe that this is uh, one of Jehoshaphat's chief musicians who's writing this psalm here. Uh, and he's writing it uh, in appreciation for what God did for them uh, over in the 20th chapter of Second Chronicles. Amen. In the 20th chapter of Second Chronicles where Jehoshaphat was surrounded. Surrounded. Jehoshaphat and the, the nation of Judah was surrounded by the enemy. And so when they were surrounded by the enemy, sudden fear rose up. But Jehoshaphat sat himself to seek the Lord. And so whenever trouble comes your way, whenever storms of life arrive in your situation, and it will happen, guys and girls, but you, we got to make sure that we know how to set ourselves to seek the Lord. Glory to God. So Psalms 46 number, look at verse number 10. Psalms 46 verse number 10. Glory to God. The text says here, reading from the New Living Translation, it says, be still and know that I am what? God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Be still and know. Everybody say, be still and know. One more time, say, be still and know. Glory to God. Now, I shared with you when we first started this that, that in the Hebrew, that word know, the full, we don't really get the full essence of that word until we until we look at it in its Hebrew root. And in this Hebrew root, it literally says to let go. Everybody say let go. It said be still and let go. That's, that's basically what it said. It, in Hebrew, it means to let go. It means to put your arms down to your side and to cease from striving. It means to relax. To relax and to know that God's got this thing. All right. Be still and know. And what that's telling me as a born again believer is that 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 whenever I am facing a difficult or a trying situation, I have got to learn how to relax and stop striving. 
I've got to put my arms to my side and, and just and just and just chill and know that God is able to see me through this thing that I'm going through. Can I get a witness? That's what that's what God told Jehoshaphat when the armies of all those nations were surrounding Judah. Basically saying, lay down, relax, Jehoshaphat. Lay down your arms. Put the army at the end of the procession and put the choir at the front singing my praises because the battle is not yours, but it belongs to me. Go to 2 Chronicles right quick. I tell you, it's interesting as we look at this text that, that he would put the choir in front. He would put the choir out front to lead the battle. Now, to me, in my own natural inclination, in thinking about it in my, from my own Benton, Louisiana Tech education, that don't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense that when you're surrounded by the enemy, Cassandra, you put the choir out front. Now, I don't know, as I told you before, just imagine our song praise ministry being out front. And most of our song praise ministry is made up of ladies, as you saw. We had a couple of brothers up there. But we're going to put the choir out front and tell them start singing. And you got the enemy over there <laughs> with bow and arrows, hatchets, and everything else uh, ready to come do battle. And the choir going to start singing. Now, now, doesn't seem like much of a strategy but, you, strategy, but when you follow God, when you learn how to be still and know, when you learn how to relax and to stop striving, stop pressing your way, and learn how to trust, amen, God, through the midst of whatever it is you're going through, God will provide and he'll make a way. Look at the text in 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter, amen? And we'll go, uh, um, start at verse 1. We'll start at verse 1 again. And I, we, don't, we don't go through all of this, but I want to share with you that Jehoshaphat, does something here that's very unique and it indicates his, his trust in his God. The text says, after this, the armies of, Mo of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Munites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Verse number two says what? Uh, messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazanon Tamar. This was another name for En Gedi. Next verse says what? Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. Stop right here. I got to say this because uh, even as we, we live life even today in the year 2018, there'll be some times when you're going to get some news that's going to scare you. Can we talk? There'll be times when stuff will come where immediate fear or sudden fear will rise up on the inside of you. Let's say you've been working at a place for 25 years, okay? And then all of a sudden, they announce a merger. And usually when they announce a merger, one of the benefits of merging with another company is you get to, to take away the duplication. So you're in the accounting department, and so your company is being bought by some company out of Atlanta, Georgia, or wherever, out of, out, of, out of Dallas, Texas. And that corporation has their own accounting department. And, and, and there's a lot of times there's duplication. So one of the benefits of merging is you have cost savings. You still get the revenue that that company that you're buying is producing, but on the back end, you can cut some positions. Anybody ever been through a merger before? Let me see the hands of those who've been through. Yvonne, I, I share this all the time with, 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 with this body. This is your testimony. 
uh, when we were in banking together, uh, we, we, they, we merged, and after a period of time, they decided that what you were doing was no longer needed here, right? All right? And so when they decided that, you know, you've been at that bank for how long? 20 years. Now, guess what? When that news came, nobody said, well, she's been here working faithfully for 20 years. She's one of our best employees. She shows up for work when she's supposed to show up for work. She, she doesn't slough off. She gets her job done. We're going to keep her on board because she's a great 20-year employee. No, they said we're going to eliminate that position. They made it impersonal. They said we're eliminating the position. She happened to be in the position. So now when you get that kind of news, how many of y'all, if you got that kind of news right now, sudden fear would arise? Let me see your hands. Come on now. Can we talk? If you got that news right now and you don't, listen, you got to go out and try to find another job that pays you a comparable salary because we don't want to go down, do we? We want to go up, right? You don't want to go from whatever you're making, 100 or whatever. Let's say you're making $250,000 a year. You go to $50,000 a year. How many of that would impact your family greatly? Right? And you made commitments, you made obligations based off of the income you're making at this level, and then now it goes away. Don't you tell me that sudden fear wouldn't rise up in your heart and you would start beating like this. So that's sometimes we can get some terrifying news. If it's a health issue, if it's a relationship issue, one day your wife comes home and says, baby, I love you, but I ain't in love with you. Any of y'all ever heard that before? I told you all that is a dumb statement, but people make that statement. I love you, but I'm not in love with you. And then they tell you, it ain't you, it's me. As if that's going to make it better. It's not you, it's me. I'm the problem, but I don't want to be with you anymore. Hello? Would sudden fear rise up? Some of y'all say, well, but Pastor, uh, uh, yeah, if they say that, I would say, well, go, go, go on. I, I, yeah. <laughs> now, if you say it that, then something else must, must be matriculating in your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, whew, they said it first. I ain't have to come out with it first. <laughs> I'm praying for you. I, hear, I heard some of y'all, I heard that in my spirit. Some of y'all say, mm, that, that, Pastor, that, that'll save me the embarrassment after break it up. But, but all things being equal, you, 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 would, you would probably feel a, a little fear, right? The text says this. Watch this. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news, and he begged the Lord for guidance. Watch this. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. Now, again, the, the New Living Translation says, and he begged the Lord for guidance. The KJV puts it this way. It says he set himself to seek the Lord. He set himself to seek the Lord. He set, he positioned himself. Guys, there are going to be some things that come up in your life where you're going to have to purposely position yourself to focus in on God. Because if you keep your eyes on the circumstance, if you focus in on the problem to the detriment of focusing in on God, you'll begin to worry. And how many of you worry watch out there know that worry is a sin? All right, let me prove it to you. Go with me right quick. I think it's over in Philippians chapter 4. Let's go there right quick. Hurry. Hold your place there, and we're going to go 
I think it's Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. Is that right? Philippians chapter 4. Verse, start at verse number 6. Philippians 4, verse number 6. Can we read it out loud on purpose, guys and girls? Come on, let's go. It says what? Don't worry about anything. Stop. This is God's word. This is the Bible telling you and I, born again believers, who receive this as God's word. It says, don't worry about what is anything. Anything. In other words, it doesn't matter what it is, what situation. He tells us, don't worry about it. Instead, do what? Pray about everything. So if I find myself worrying, then I am not in a position to where I'm setting myself to seek the Lord. Because the only way I can cease from worry is to put my eyes on the man who can handle everything. The only thing, way I can cease from worry is to focus in on the, on the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or think. I got to put my mind on him. I got to set myself. So he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now watch this. He says, what? Tell God what you need. How many of y'all are guilty of telling everybody else what you need and God is the last resort? We are to set ourselves to seek him first, not last. You've heard people say this all the time. Well, you know, ain't nothing else we can do but pray. What kind of mentality is that? Well, we, you know, we, uh, we don't try everything else, so we might as well pray. No, 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 no. Prayer should be the very first thing that we do. We should set ourselves to seek the Lord. The text says don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all he has done. Thank him for all he has done. Thank him for all. Tell him what you need and thank him for all, what all he's done. Look at the next verse, verse 7. Come on, let's go. It says what? Then you will experience God's peace. Now, when you tell him, when you, when, you, when you pray about it, and when you tell him what you need, and when you start to thank him for all he's done, the Bible says this, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. See, when God's peace is percolating inside of your heart, people can't understand it when you're not worried about stuff. People even start, you know, start packing, you know, well, yeah, yeah, I, I, know, I, know, I know you must be sad. No, I'm not. Well, I know you must be worried. No, I'm not. Well, I know, I, know, I know you must be going through. Listen, I'm not going through. Well, okay, I'm in, I am in the middle of something. I'm going through, but I know I'm going to come out on the other side. And so, so don't, don't feel sorry for me. Don't, don't, don't cry out over my situation. Just continue to lift me up in prayer. But know this, I'm not worried because I serve a God who's able to see me through. Now, at some point in time, guys, we got to live this stuff out. How do you really know that you believe what you say you believe until it has to be proven and tested. You, you don't really know that you really got faith until you have to use faith. I tell you before, if, if, let's say for instance, if a bill from the IRS came today and, and um, said you from your 19, from, not 19, your 2015 taxes, you owe $5,895. And we got to have that in 30 days, okay? Now, watch this. 
If I have $50,000 sitting in the bank, I don't need faith. Why do I need faith when I already see it? I just go and pull it out and write the check and send it to them, right? I don't need faith. But if I got 50 cents in the bank, don't have a credit line, huh? don't have a visa card I can charge it on, I don't tap out everybody who I know. Come on now. You know how it is. Some people, when they come to you, you're like, they, I can't believe they called me and asked me for not, not $100. They asked me for $2,000. You need to go to a bank to get that kind of money, baby. But you know why they came to you? They don't even have a relationship and connectivity to you. But usually when people do that, they've tapped out everybody they know. And so when they call you, you really are a last resort. They just, you're hoping to prayer for them. They, they remember you from high school. Y'all graduated in 1985 together, hadn't spoken since. Y'all ever have somebody do you like that before? Somebody who you don't, you, you hadn't talked to, you have no close relationship with, and they want to they borrow $2,000. Okay, all right, all right, all right. That means they didn't tap everybody else out. But if you're in a situation and you don't have anything, then it's, it's going to require faith. But I'm here to tell you, if you are a tither, giver of offerings, one who trusts God, learn how to lean and depend on God. Listen, when that situation comes up, yeah, sudden fear may arise. Yeah, your heart may begin to beat. But when you set yourself to seek the Lord, worry goes out of the way. And you say, God, I don't. Here's how I talk to God. I don't know about anybody that's out there. Here's how I talk to God. God, you know, there's a need here. This is not just a want, God. It's something that I need. And Lord, you know that I don't have the resources right now to make this happen. But you do. The cattle on a thousand hills belong to you. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And they that dwell therein. God, everything in this earth belongs to you. So Lord, since I don't have it, but you're my daddy. And because you're my daddy, I can come to you. So you all better go to your daddy. Hello. And, and, and reap the benefit of that relationship with your daddy. So God, you're my daddy. You own everything. I don't know where it's going to come from, but Lord, I'm going to set myself to seek you and I'm going to believe you for this $5,890 I need to send to the IRS by the end of this month. I don't know how it's going to come, God. I've I never written a check that big in my life, but Lord, I know that you are able to bring it through. And then I just start seeking in looking with a sense of anticipation, you know, I don't try to figure it out. I just, I just say, God, you, you work it out. And I'm going to tell you, he's a God that does that. But watch this. But see, when you do that, when you back up to this previous verse, come on, I got to move. I got to move. Back up to verse number six. Y'all say, hold your mute, pastor. Hold your mute. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and watch this. And thank him for all he's done. Now, you're doing this. You're thanking him before you even see the answer. We serve a God who calleth those things which be not as though they already are. So if that's the kind of God we serve, we got to start talking like our father. Start talking like your daddy. He said, he told the children of Israel, Israel, every place that your foot treads upon, I have already given it to you. Now, mind you, they had not even entered the land of promise. He was just encouraging Joshua to tell the folks that. 
And he kept telling Joshua, be strong and very courageous. He repeatedly told Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Go look it up in Joshua, the first chapter. Be strong and very courageous. Why? Because Joshua had been used to being the second in charge. And now he's the man. Now he's the one that's responsible. See, it's easy to criticize somebody else when they're leading. But what about when you're in that leadership chair? What about when your decision, amen, could cause a nation to rise or fall? Your decision could cause the company to go into bankruptcy. Now you're the person, and you can't point at anybody else. So here Joshua is, who had walked with Moses, been beside Moses' side. God had to remind him, Moses, my servant, is dead. Y'all remember that? Joshua obviously knew that he was dead. Because if you walk with somebody for all those years and you're his right-hand man, you know that he's dead, right? What do you think God was doing? God was trying to, okay, okay, all right, all right, you've been mourning. You've been, you've been kind of sitting here, you know, feeling sorry about the situation. But guess what? It's time for us to move forward. Moses, my servant, is dead, he told him in Joshua. He said, now, get ready to lead the people into the promised land. Be strong and very courageous. Every place that y'all go, every place that your foot steps on, I've already given it to you. He's calling those things which be not as though they already are. And that's what God does. And that's what we got to do. We got to begin to speak like God. Whenever I pray about something, I start thanking him for it. I don't wait till I see it before I start thanking him. I start thanking him when I pray it. Because if I believe that I receive while I pray it, Jesus said I can have what I say. If I'm in line with God's word. Okay? Are y'all with me? So don't worry about anything. Stay and pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And look at what will happen. Look at verse number seven. Come on, let's go. Then you will experience God's peace. What is God's peace? Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will do what? His peace will guard your heart and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. His peace will do what? Guard your... How many, how many of you out there today will testify and say, Pastor... I need my mind to be guarded sometimes. I need my heart to be guarded. I, I don't, Pastor, I'm tired of getting hurt. I'm tired of, I'm tired of getting, getting just, just drilled in my heart. Guard my heart. Guard my mind, God. Keep me protected. He says his peace will guard what? Your heart and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now look at this next verse. Watch this, okay, verse 8. And I'm going to get back to our text. Verse 8 says what? And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Now, now notice the terminology. Fix or, 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 or fix your thoughts on what is, th- what is true, okay? Fix your thoughts on what is, what is, oh, I can't talk. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, I will tell you, you will not effectively do this if you're looking at stuff that's not honorable, that's not true, that's not right, that's not pure, that's not lovely, that's not admirable. If you're looking at television shows that don't that are not honorable, they're not right, they're not pure, they're not loving. If you read stuff on social media all the time, all the negative stuff that you hear about people from, from sources that are not credible, not verifiable, you digesting all that stuff, it's going to affect the way you think. Do you not realize you are what you eat? 
I'm talking spiritually speaking. Do you not realize that what you put into your ear gates and your eye gates will affect how you think? So why, why, why does the Bible tell us, it says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts. How do you fix it? I mean, to me, when I hear the term fix it, that means that, that I got I to gotta do something to, to, to bend my thought life from its natural leaning towards something that it's not naturally inclined to do. In other words, if, 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 it's, if it's natural for me to think negative, if it's, if it's natural for me to think worldly or fleshly or carnally, then I have to work at thinking spiritually. How many of you have to, how many of you, I sit up there and I want you to be honest with me, how many of you have to sometimes, you know, you know just take a step back and say, okay, now, my thinking is thrown off. Anybody had your thinking thrown off? You know what thrown off means? Somebody tell me what throw it off means. Twist it. Can't get right. Okay. <laughs> In other words, stuff can happen to you, even in your family of origin, that can cause your thought life to be twisted in certain areas because of what you experienced growing up, because of what you've experienced even as a young adult. And, and it, can, it can cause your thought life to be twisted. But that's why the Bible says, uh, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable. It, it wouldn't tell me to do that if, that if that was a natural occurrence, right? Fix your thoughts on, on what is true, what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And look at verse, this next verse. Look at this. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Who's writing here? The Apostle Paul. He's writing to the saints at Philippi. And he says this, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Do you know why some, some of you sitting there right now don't have peace in your life? It's because you're not, you're not, you're not putting into practice everything you've learned in your Sunday discipleship training classes. You're not putting into practice everything you learned in the freed up financial living class. You came and got the information and went back and did exactly what you've been doing for 30 years. Can I be honest? Some of us, even we go to the doctor. Can I talk to some of us in here? Let me ask you a question. Why go to the doctor and spend money and you're not going to do and not follow the advice that they give you? I just want to know. I, want, I just want to kind of know. It's just like this. Why go pay a lawyer for legal advice and then go out and do what you want to do anyhow? Keep the money in your pocket and just go do what you want to do anyhow. Can we bring it close to home? Why come to church and sit up under the pastoral leadership of Reverend Doyle or Adams Sr.? at the Elizabeth Baptist Church in Benton, Louisiana, hear word, digest word, take notes, and then put it in your drawer and never do anything with the notes that you're taking. Why 
why, why, why do that? You think, and I'm being a little facetious as I continue to drive home my point, but we do this all the time and then we expect different results, but we don't do anything differently. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Here's what the text says. Do y'all believe the Bible is God's word? Look at what the Bible says here in Philippians 4 and 9. Read it one more time. It says what? Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then what will happen? The God of peace will be with you. Now, now again, can we use... Can we just rephrase that? And I'm not adding to scripture. I'm not taking away. But also, if, if the God of peace will be with me when I put into practice all that I've learned and received, Paul said for me, and everything you heard me, in, from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with me. But if I don't do it, could you reasonably deduce that the God of peace won't be with you? Now, he'll be with you, but you won't be walking in his peace. Because he never leaves us nor forsake us. But how many of you know you can be a child of God but not be experiencing his peace? You can be saved and you die, you're going to heaven, but you can live a worry-filled life. Unnecessarily, mind you. Okay? All right, so, so, so we see, we see the, 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 the glimpse of here. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then God, the God of peace will be with you. Now go back to 2 Chronicles right quick. Because again, we got the enemy, we got the enemy surrounding Jehoshaphat. But Jehoshaphat did something. He set himself to seek the Lord. I told you, when I gave you a, a few weeks back some of those leadership levels, and I told you I believe that Jehoshaphat is exemplifying that, that pinnacle level of leadership that we talked about. When, when people follow you for who you are and who you represent and what you represent. Uh, leadership, amen, is critically important. And it's important in the church that we have good godly leadership. It's important in your family that you lead your family in a God-honoring way. But the truth be told, a lot of our families are not being led in a God-honoring way. It's because we won't do what we've been taught. We won't do what we've been taught. We will amen what we've been taught because it's easy to say amen. Amen. But it's a different thing to do what we've been taught. So watch, watch this, Second Chronicles, watch this. And, and I got to get you out of here. Because I told you, uh, Jehoshaphat uh, <coughs> did something here that exemplified that he had grown in his leadership role. Now, Jehoshaphat's dad, um, Asa, was a man who started out right, but he ended up wrong. Okay, And again, one of the things that it's important for us to do, I believe as a body of believing, as an individual Christian, is to make sure that we finish strong. We want to finish strong. I want to finish my race. like I want to finish my course like the Apostle Paul. Paul said that I've, I've finished my course. I've finished my race. I've kept the faith. Okay? So he had a crown of righteousness laid up for him because he finished strong. Guys, there, there are people who you know individually who, who, was, who started out with you in this faith walk, but they're no longer even involved in church any longer. They're not, they're not even serving God anymore. Don't you be that victim who falls away and doesn't finish strong, okay? Look back with me, right? Let's get back to 2 Chronicles. Because I told you, uh, he, the Bible says something here uh, in verse number 
three, and then we'll, we'll look at, uh, we're going to drop down to verse number, glory to God, verse number uh, 14. Look at verse three. It says, well, Joseph was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. He ordered everyone to begin fasting. Look at verse four. Verse four, let's go. So people from all of the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Now again, remember, Judah was the southern tribe. The, the, the nation of Israel had been divided into two tribes. Israel was the northern tribe, which consisted of how many tribes? Ten. And Judah was the southern tribe that consisted of how many? Two. All right? And so Jehoshaphat was leading the southern tribe. And it, the Bible says Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And the Bible says this in verse number six. says what? He prayed. O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. Now watch what he does. He puts God in remembrance of his word. God, had, God has not forgotten his word, but God challenges us to put him in remembrance of his word. So as he's praying, he's just reminding God of who he is. Watch this. O Lord, because Jesus told us to pray that way, right? He says, when you pray, say what? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. In other words, we're giving God uh, honor. We, we're extolling the virtue of his name. Joseph said, oh Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who's in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. Watch this. No one can stand against you. He's, he's telling this. Now guys, let me, let, let me say something to you right quick. See, even in your prayer life and even in your, in your, as you go about living your Christian faith, it is important for you to speak the word of God over your situation. What, look, look at Joseph. Now, now, again, he's facing opposition. He's surrounded by the enemy. And he says, you are powerful and mighty, God. No one can stand against you. Look at the next verse. Let's go. Come on, let's go. It says, oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people of Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? He's putting God in remembrance of his word. God had already told him, every place your foot tread upon, I've given this to you. So the enemy is rising back up. Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. Verse, verse 9, they said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. Just putting God in remembrance of his word. So, so, so when, whenever we as an individual Christian are facing whatever we are facing or we need an answer, we got to put God in remembrance of his word. But it's hard to do that when we don't know any word. And maybe, maybe that's why our prayers are not being effective because we keep praying what we think. And how many of you can be honest with me and say, there are some times you thought a certain way, but the way you were thinking was not really accurate? There are some ways you felt that were not accurate. And so you start praying that way based on how you feel and what you think and what your family think. And, 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 and God says, I need you to put me in remembrance of my word. Come on, we got to go. Verse, look, look, skip to verse 10. Verse 10. It says what? And now we see that the armies of Ammon, Moab, and, and Mount Seir are doing, 
we see what they, what they are doing. You will not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Verse 11, come on, let's go. Now, now see how they reward us. For they have come to throw us out of your land. Notice what they said, what Joseph has said. They've come to throw us out of our land? No. Out of what? Your land. He's talking about God. So God, God gave it to him. So if God gave it to us, then even though he gave it to him, he still is the possessor because he owns everything that we have. The Bible says we've been bought with the price. So we got to glorify God in our bodies and our spirit, which belong to who? Him. So if I belong to God, everything I have belong to God. Did y'all catch that? If I belong to God, everything that I have belongs to God, including my monetary resources, including my house, my car, whatever I have belongs to him. So he's, because he's the owner of it, he has the right to tell me to do with it what he wants me to do with it. All right, watch it, watch, let's go. They have come up to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Verse number 12, let's go. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We don't know what to do. But we are looking to you for help. Everybody say, look to the Lord for help. And skip down with me at verse, to verse number 14. Then upon Jehaziel, the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zacharias. Now again, under the old covenant, the spirit came upon men. And, and empower them to speak a word or share a word. We, in New Testament covenant, amen, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And as a matter of fact, the Bible commands us to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Can I get a witness? So he says this, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, uh, son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of Mananiah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. Watch what he says, verse 15. Sweet. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Watch this. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, it's but, it, but, but, but it's God's. Now watch, watch this. I told you that Asa, his daddy, uh, started out right but ended up wrong. But Jehoshaphat took over for his, his dad and began to tear down some of the false uh, uh, symbols that were out there. His, remember his grandmother had put up that Asherah pole and he tore that thing down and he started outright. And then Jehoshaphat made an allegiance. I'm, I'm saying, I'm just, go back and read this from chapter 15 on forward. Jehoshaphat was beginning to make the same mistake that his daddy made when he made an allegiance with a wicked king. Stop going into business. Stop connecting with people who don't have a, a, a heart for God. Just because somebody can do something for you don't mean you need to connect with them. Amen? And so, so Jehoshaphat made this connection with this evil king and, and he, got, he got chastised for it, but, he did, but then he, he didn't stay there. He removed himself from it and then we see he get, get to this point here where he's leading the nation and he's trusting God for his deliverance. Now, so let's look at this right here. Let's see what happens as we go down through it. Skip down with me uh, to verse... Uh, Verse number, uh, verse number 17, verse 17. And I'm going to give you some things that we learned that Psalms 46 enlightened us about uh, what God would do in our life. It says, but you will not even need to fight. Take your possessions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. 
He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is what? How many of y'all truly recognize that the Lord is with you? How many of y'all recognize that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you face, God is on your side? This text told us the battle is not yours, but it's God's. But now, I got to tell you something. If you insist on keeping it yourself, God will let you have it. Because God ain't going to come and take it from you. You got to get release it to him. The problem that many of us have is we keep holding on to stuff, and God says, that is something I want you to cast over on me. You remember that passage we read all the time? It says, cast all of your cares on the Lord, for he what? He cares for you. Casting. Now, casting means that I got to throw it. That, that means that, you know, he's not going to just take it. I got to cast it. I got to release it. So if you want to worry about whatever you want to worry about, God ain't going to stop you from worrying. But you don't have to. You really don't have to. Just learn to trust his word. Now, tr- again, trust has to be built up. The only way you can really trust somebody is you got you to release something into their care and, tr- and, and believe that they're going to follow through on what you're releasing into their care. You can't halfway trust. Trust has to be something that you, you release. Now, guess what? Can you become vulnerable when you tr- decide to trust? Yes, you become vulnerable. But again, think about this for a second. God is asking us to trust him. Not men. He's asking us to release our cares unto him. And until we do that, we won't experience the victory that Joseph had experienced. Now watch. Let's, let's read the rest of the story. We've got to get out of here. get some points, okay? Y'all still with me? Look at verse number 20. Go to verse 20. Read. It says what? Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekin. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me. All you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. Watch this. It says what? Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. How many of y'all believe in your pastoral leadership? How many of y'all believe in the men and women of God he places before you? See, he says believe in, the prophet, in his prophets and you will succeed. I'm not talking about some, some fluffy, off-the-wall, crazy, mundane person. I'm talking about somebody who's teaching you God's principles and truths. Do you stand in belief with that person? Look at the next verse. Let's read. Watch what happens here. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they're saying. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. They out there singing, guys. The other, the, 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 the other group are out there with weapons ready to fight. But they're out there singing. How many of y'all want to join the choir? Come on, let me see your hand. How many of y'all want to join the choir under these circumstances? We got one or two. How many of y'all want to join the choir? We're going to have the choir go before us and start singing. And we're going to, we're going to go to that house and run the demons out. Amen? Watch this. Watch this. Next verse. Come on, let's go. It says, at the very moment they begin to sing, and give praise. Sometimes you got to praise your way through some stuff, Craig. You got you got to just praise your way through it, amen. Eric, you got to you got to you got to don't worry about it, but start praising your way through. Lord, I thank you. You are an awesome God. Lord, I lift you up. Your name on high. God, I don't see how it's going to come through, but Lord, I know you're going to make a way somehow. 
you ever praised your way through something? At the very moment they begin to sing and give praise, watch what happened. The Lord, everybody say the Lord. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. How many of y'all know that the Lord will discombobulate your enemies? Watch this, watch this. Next verse, come on, let's go. It says what? Uh, the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. What was happening? God's people were doing what they were singing. Praising God and the enemy started shooting their own self. Y'all got to stop worrying about your enemies, y'all. Some of y'all keep worrying about who's talking about you. Just, just go, go, break out in praise. Break out and start, Lord, I thank you. You are an awesome God. Lord, I love you. Start shooting each other. <laughs> the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from, from Mount Seir and, 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 and killed every one of them after they had destroyed the army of Seir. They began attacking each other. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's read. This is what, so when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Guys, when you have covenant with God, not only would he make your enemy your footstool, he'll wipe them out. <laughs> Look at this, watch this. <laughs> they saw the dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Look at the next verse. Watch this, watch this. It says what? King Jehoshaphat and his men went out together to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other value to the victor go to spoils, right? And, and more than they could, they, they had so much stuff they couldn't even carry. So, there was so much plunder that it, that it took them three days just to collect it all. See, God wiped the enemy out and then gave them the enemy stuff. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just, amen? And God will, God, when you're walking with God, God will bring resources into your house to make sure you can continue to do fair spiritual warfare. It took them three days to collect the stuff. To the victor goes the spoils. You get the best chariots, best horses, best everything. Now watch this. Let me give you some things right quick. Uh, pop these up. Now Psalms, go back to Psalms 46 right quick. And I want to share some things, some gifts, five gifts, five great gifts that God gives us in times of overwhelming trouble. I'm going to try to finish these today. Lord, say the same. I think he did say the same, so I'm going to go through them. Pop, five gifts, here it is on the screen, five gifts that God gives us in times of overwhelming trouble. We see this, again, the 46 number song is, 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 is a song, a song that, that speaks of the the diligence of our God and what he does for us uh, in times of overwhelming trouble. How many of y'all have faced some overwhelming trouble before in your life? Guys, I'm going to tell you something. Because we're saved does not mean that we are immune from trouble. Okay? First thing you need to realize, five great gifts. First thing is God refreshes us in the midst of our trouble. He refreshes us. Everybody say refreshes how many of y'all need to be refreshed? Some of y'all look tired. Some of you look wore out. You need some refreshing. Just touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you need to be refreshed? Yeah, every now and then we need to be refreshed. Psalms 46. 
verse number four. Can we read Psalms 46, verse number four? God refreshes us. Amen. In the times of overwhelming. So a river brings joy to the city of our God. The sacred, the sacred home of the most high. Uh, he refer, you know, that, that's the KJV says there's a river, the stream, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of our God. Y'all heard that in the song, haven't you? The holy place of the tabernacles of the most high. The a river, streams which whereof shall make glad the city of our God. See, God is a refreshing God. He refreshes us in the midst of our trouble. Because of his unfailing love, he offers us a cool, rejuvenating water of peace and joy. But we got to drink of those waters by fellowship with by fellowshiping with him through prayer and meditation on his word. See, when you're in the midst of trouble, do like Jehoshaphat did. Set yourself to seek the Lord. Get into your word. Start praying. Don't go around complaining and whining and, and to everybody else. Get into the word. Get into the book. Begin to meditate. And there's a refreshing that will come out of that time in prayer and meditation. See, there's some things you're going to face that the world can't, the world can't give you peace on. Even your family members can't give you peace on. It's going to take God, that refreshing stream of water that can, that can, that can, just strengthen you in the midst of your trouble. Can I get a witness up here? I like this. Go, go to Psalms 119, verse 50 right quick. Psalms 119, verse 50. I'm going to get to two of these, y'all, okay? So will y'all let me come back next week? <laughs> I'm only going to get to two of them, but I, I needed to say the other stuff to get you up to this point. Uh, but God refreshes us in the midst of our trouble. I've experienced that, guys. Have you? When God refreshes you in the midst of your trouble. But now notice what the text says here in Psalms 119, uh, verse number 50. Psalms 119, verse number 50. Let's look at that right quick. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Look at what it says. Your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. Let's go to the KJV on that. Your promise revives me. What revives me? Your boyfriend? No. Your girlfriend? Your wife? Your husband? The pastor? No. This is your promise. Look, look what it says in the KJV. This is my comfort in my affliction. Watch this. For thy word hath what? Quickeneth me. You know what quickeneth me? It's made me alive. In the middle of my trouble, what's going to make me alive? What's going to make me vibrant? Not you, but God's word. So why, pray tell me, when we get into the midst of trouble, we, we don't run to the word. We run to Steve Harvey and Oprah. And they, you know, bless God for them and what they're doing, but but you don't need Steve's advice or even Oprah's advice. Because both of them can get a little edgy and not be in the word. Look at what it says. This is my comfort in my affliction. What? For thy word hath quickened to me. Thy word made me alive. So, so why, why is it that we're not in his word we were in the midst of trouble. Why don't we indulge ourselves 
And do like Jehoshaphat did. He, he, Jehoshaphat just started quoting God's word, what God had already said, to get a refreshing, amen, word for him as he led the people into battle. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4 and 16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Amen? John 16 Verse number 33 says this, these things, Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. Pop that up, John 16 in verse number 33 in the KJV. And, and, um, and I got to give you one more, I got one minute left and we got to get out of here. John 16 and 33 says what? Read, these things, Jesus talking, I have spoken unto you that in me you might have what? Where are we going to have Peace. Where are we going to have peace? Not in smoking weed to relax your mind. Hello. Well, you know, they, they legalizing that weed, you know, so, so, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> well, Pastor, I'm going to go to California. You know, I, I can just eat. I, I can be at peace. No, no. Peace comes from knowing Jesus Christ. He says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world, you shall have what? He already told you, tribulation. But be of good cheer. Why? I've already overcome the world. So if I get into him, and he's already overcome the world, what's that making me? I'm an overcomer. Point number two. Oh, gosh. Number two. Y'all ready? I'm going to give it to you, and we got to go. Whatever may happen in our lives, we can rest securely because God lives within us. Look at that. Whatever may happen in our lives, we can rest securely because God lives within us. We can rest securely because God lives within us. Every head bowed every eye closed. I'm stopping there. Whatever may happen in our lives, we can rest securely because God lives within us. Hallelujah. Be still and know there is something that we got to know. We have to to quit striving and start trusting. Now, if you're here in this place today, 